aware, the children are in a United Nations refugee camp. Uh, they're having a challenge with the government of Uganda moving out of the refugee camp because of the situation and circumstances that exist with the laws in Uganda and that these children came in basically undocumented from the South Sudan and that in Uganda years ago under Idi Amin there was a great deal of child trafficking and uh, Uganda is a Christian nation or desires to be a Christian nation and they have rigid, rigid laws regarding transporting children that are undocumented and it's a good thing but it's not working out as a good thing for us even though we know it's a good thing so they're possibly going to be in the refugee camp for another four weeks, and uh, we need to get a lawyer involved, and uh, it's going to be much more complicated than what we had originally thought, but God works through complications, so it's okay. We're going to be all right, and once it's all going to be finished, those children are going to be absolutely wonderfully documented for their return victoriously into the South Sudan again, even more so than when they left, and they will be documented into Uganda, so it will all work out for good. We want to pray for them. It's been very, very difficult for Stanley. He's a powerful man of God. Been very, very difficult for him. Uh, even now he's going into Kokobo, which is another area where there's a UN camp. And his assistant pastor, Tom, who has been with him since 2005. I've known Tom since 2005. And he's a wonderful man. And uh, his daughter died. Uh, in the camp. Uh, I don't know if she died in the camp or in the hospital when they took her out, but uh, complications of malaria, which is prevalent there. So the funeral will be tomorrow morning, and uh, Stanley will be doing that funeral. But it's very, very difficult for them. And uh, the child, um, once the child left the camp, cannot come back to the camp. So uh, none of the other children can say goodbye and be there for the service. So let's pray. God is on the scene. And we know the child that left the earth prematurely is alive and well with Jesus, but the family needs our prayers. So, Father, we thank you for Tom. Thank you for being able to get through to talk to him, even though I know that's a broken heart that's just crying out for his daughter. But he knows that she's alive and well. He's going to be strong to comfort his wife. I know Pastor Stanley and Vicki will have the words of encouragement to give them. And we don't hold this against the government of Uganda. We know that they're doing due diligence to protect the children. And uh, Lord, I, I pray for supernatural intervention. I anticipate the inevitable supernatural intervention of you on that scene. And that we're not believing for a month. We're not believing for a day over what you can do. And we know that you can do it. You can give us the right attorney. You can give us the right person in the office of the prime minister. They've already said we're going to help you and help fulfill this. And Lord, we know that we have people that are there for us. But most importantly, we know that you are there to bring it through in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. You are in the right place. Okay, let's see if we got the right group here tonight. Uh, I was uh, praying about some things in my life. How many of you have some things in your life that are going really well? Can I see your hands? 
How many of you got some things in your life that you don't particularly want to stand on and talk about them, but they're just not really going the way you had thought they would go? Can I, can I see your hands? I think that would be most of us too. I think it would be equal, uh, the same amount. And I was just asking God, saying, God, you know, I, I know your will, and I know your plan, and I know what you've shown me, and I think I've done what you've shown me, but in this particular area and a couple of other areas, it just doesn't look like there's any movement going on. And I think we all are on the same page, if you yeah, have been there, done that, or maybe are there right now. And instantly, this just dropped into my spirit. The last couple of messages, it's just been like, in about 10 minutes' time, I've got the message. I'm not searching for the message like sometimes I am. God, is this really a message? It just dropped in my spirit. It's the longest titled message I have ever ministered. And when it, when it, it dropped it in my heart, I just kept writing. I said, God, are you sure this is you? Or is this just me or something I ate or whatever? But what do you do when, you are do when what you are doing does not seem to be working? That is the longest title I've ever had, 15 words. What do you do when what you are doing does not seem to be working? How many of you can relate to that question? Okay, well, we got the right group here tonight. And as I prayed about it, I felt like the Lord showed me some things. And, and so I'm out there behind Walmart talking to God. And he's, I think, showing me something. And I'm writing it all down in my prayer journal. And I'm, and I'm putting it all down here. And I said, now, God... Is this really you or is this just my mind? I know I am capable after so many years in ministry of writing down things that line up scripturally. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, you, you can do that with or without God leading you. You can write down, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. You may or may not be hearing that from the Holy Spirit, but you know it is from the Spirit because it's the Word of God. And so I'm writing all this down and, uh, and we've had this conversation sometimes with you and you're very encouraging. You do hear from me, Bill. Now, this is what I wrote down. You do hear from me. You must grow comfortable and confident that you hear and that many times you hear quickly. When you don't think you have heard, then you wait. Have confidence in what you have seen and heard from me. And then I said, is that really you? Have you ever said that to, is that really you, God, or is that just my mind clicking in that I want to get this message down quickly and get on with something else? And, uh, and then I thought that he said that, that how important it is to hear quickly by the Spirit for all of us, not to waver in was it God or wasn't it God, but immediately start to record what we're hearing God say because he's speaking and he wants us to know quickly what his will is so that we can position ourselves for his hand to move on our behalf. There isn't a single one of you here tonight, like myself, like Pam, like all of us, that we don't have an area where we are waiting to see what God's going to do. And if we're not careful, we can absolutely get over. We, we, we can get overextended in an area of concern about something when God is working behind the scene. And when I was sharing with Stanley, the first thing that happened over there when we were over there, there was a four-day delay, we thought. Well, the four-day delay has turned into almost a month now. But there was a four-day delay. We thought we were going to get out in two days. On the third day or fourth day of the delay that turned into a month, the land cruiser surfaced in an unbelievable deal. So if we hadn't been prolonged for a while, the land cruiser wouldn't have been there. And then the finances begin to come in, and the supply force is there in the bank for them. So 
everything is taken care of for them, even though it's not a very good situation. It's a miserable situation. But God's time frame is not ours. Turn to your neighbor and tell them God's time frame is not ours. Now, this is what God gave me. This is it, it, kind of a yes and no message tonight. And, uh, and there are five things that I'm going to share with you. And, uh, and you get to take a little test, a little quiz, to find out how you're doing with this. And what I felt in my spirit was that anytime you answer no, you can't go on. You're, you're not going to have the blessing of God on your life if you can't answer this yes. You're going to have to stay on holding pattern right there until you can answer this question yes. Because God is not a God of multiple choice. He doesn't say, well, if you don't want to do that, that's okay. I'll, I'll do this for you over here. That's not the way it works. Turn to your neighbor and tell him I've learned that one the hard way. We've all learned that one the hard way. Okay, number one, do I know God's perfect will. Do I know God's perfect will? Everybody say that. That is in every area of your life. And the answer is yes or no. Now, if you know God's perfect will for whatever it is you're facing, then your mind has been renewed in that area. If your mind is not renewed, you will be thinking thoughts that you shouldn't think. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you hear continually in this church. Present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind so that you may know the good acceptable and perfect will of God. One will, perfect, adjectives describing it. God has the perfect will for your life. And that when your mind is renewed, then you focus upon that. If your mind is not renewed, you focus on a lot of other things. Speaking to myself tonight, I know what it's like to focus on something that's fearful. I know what it's like to focus on something that's anxious. And thinking, why am I thinking about those things? That's taking me away from the, the, the Lord. And you, you start to think about things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're thinking about things that aren't bringing anything into your life. You're thinking about things contrary to the Word of God. And then what you find out after a while is that you start making decisions not based on the perfect will of God, but decisions based on thought. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Well, I think I'll do this. Well, I think I'll try this. Well, I think before I got saved, I had this uh, basic fundamental uh, thing that I did all the time in, in management. Do something even if it's wrong. Well, I brought that stupid philosophy right into the body of Christ. Do something even if it's wrong. Man, I made a lot of mistakes thinking I was getting God to do something for me, and I did it wrong, and I found out that's not the way it worked. So it's not do something, it's Find out what the perfect will of God is. If you know the perfect will of God, you can put yes. If you don't know the perfect will of God for the situations and circumstances that you're facing, that when you get up every day and you say, God, what is your will today? What is your plan today? This is the day you have made. I will rejoice in it. What is your will for my life? Years ago, you've all heard this story. If you've been around the church for a while, 
when I first got saved, uh, God brought Pam into my life, and I remember somebody saying, don't do anything unless you know it's God's will. And I said, God, what is your will? And I felt like God said, marry her, and I'm going to do it anyway. So I, I thought, well, we're, we're united. So that's great. And, and then God said, and then God said, and, and all the great things that came out of it. Then God said, I want you to go to Tulsa, and you find the meaning of your life. And I like, whoa, that's a little bit different. I don't have anything out in Tulsa. I've financially had challenges anyway, and now you want me to go to Tulsa. What God was doing was testing me to see if I would be obedient to do what he called me to do so I could live in the perfect will of God. Then he could bless me, but if he couldn't trust me, he couldn't take me where he wanted me to go. Does that make sense to all of you? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, can God trust you? In other words, what is God showing you right now? I believe well, we'll just ask a shorthand. How many of you, you believe that God may be showing you some things right now that are so far beyond your ability to wrap your mind around it? That, you know, it just like, it seems like it's way out there. Can I see your hands? It's just like, see, it, it, that's where God's perfect will is. It's not in something you can do. Uh, you know, I got $10, so God wants me to give 5 yeah, that's fine. He probably will. But how about the time when God says, I got $10 and you got $10 and God says, I want you to give $10. And it's like, wait a minute. Time that out there in Tulsa only had $300. We didn't know $100. Didn't know I had it in the checkbook. Uh, hadn't tithed. Wasn't a, a, a specific tither at the time. Uh, knew God had told me to tithe and was not obedient to God, was not doing what God told me to do, and found out that I had a $100 check that I could use that I was supposed to put in for tithe. We'd carried it over, and I felt like, oh, God, I know I'm supposed to do this. I don't want to do it because I need it for groceries. And God said, you know, you do whatever you want. That's what I felt he said. And then I talked to Pam about it, and finally I just gave the $100 to the finance department, went in my office, sat down, and started crying. I said, God, I don't know how this works. I know what your word said. And that was in the morning, about 6 o'clock that evening, a VBI teacher came in and said, God spoke to me today, Bill, and said, I'm supposed to bring you $100, and you don't know what it means. Glory to God, that settled the issue on tithing for me. You see, tithing does not make sense, or giving does not make sense beyond what you think is your ability, unless you're operating in the perfect will of God. Everybody said, the perfect will of God. So therefore, number one, we've got to be in the perfect will of God. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And God will always show you what he wants you to know. That's why it is so important. You hear me tell, say this all the time. Get your prayer journal. If you don't have one, get one. Get one. Get one. Because I still talk to people and I say, what does your prayer journal say? I say, well, I haven't done one. I say, how long have you been coming here? Four, five, six years. You can't remember what God is telling you. You've got to have a resource just like your Bible. And you go back and you read this and say, wow, that's what God told me. I remember writing it down. And now I saw it come to pass. It just builds your faith. So you've got to write these things down. So number one, you've got to know that you're in the perfect will of God. <clears throat> but then sometimes God will correct you after you think you are in the perfect will of God. How many of you have ever done something thinking this is the perfect will of God only to find out it wasn't the perfect will of God? It wasn't the door that you were supposed to open. You've all heard the story. 
I'm sure that I've told about Billy Joe out there in Tulsa. Uh, he felt like he needed to build an air, dorm, air dome uh, at 4400 South Sheridan where they started the church with about 1,000 people. Built this, uh, bought the air dome, all the stuff to see it. I think it was going to be 3,000 people initially. And they had everything for the air dome, the canvas and everything. And in the midst of the whole thing, he had a prophetic word from a woman who told him something that lined up with something he heard, but he didn't particularly, I think, want to believe it, that he had made a mistake. He had made a mistake. It wasn't God's will, and he was in debt in that ministry, $3 million. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but sometimes we get ourselves into debt. We get ourselves into serious trouble by doing things based on what we think is the right thing or based on what others think is a good deal, but it's not a good deal unless it's the perfect will of God. And he realized he had made a mistake. He'd gotten the ministry into a $3 million debt. He couldn't service the debt, and he was close to losing the ministry. He said in his book, I I thought we're going to lose the church. But because of a series of events God sent when he finally repented, everybody say repent. Turn to your neighbor and say repent's a good word. You have to be able to receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit first and then repent from the direction you're moving and saying, I think I'm going the wrong direction here. God just showed me this is not the direction I'm supposed to be going. When he did that, God sent Sam Walton down the street, 4400 South Sheridan, saw the building that they put up for sale. Sam Walton said, what is that? Said that's a, They told him it's a church. And he said, oh, he said, what do they want? And he said, they want $3 million because they're in debt to $3 million and they feel like they've made a mistake. And he said, give them $3,100,000 in one day's time. Now, I'm sure Billy Joe said it took more than one day. But in one day's time, the ministry went from a $3 million debt to $100,000 in the bank. How would you like to go from whatever you have right now to $100,000 in the bank? Well, all you got to do, I don't know if you're going to get $100,000, but all you got to do is be in the center of the will of God and realize that sometimes we're trying to get God to do what we want Him to do, and God wants us to do what He wants us to do, not what we want him to do. Does that make sense so far? Okay, so number one, you got a yes check there, or you got a no yet. But if you got if you got a no there, then you can't go any further. If you don't know God's perfect will, you're locked in right where you are. Because God will never not tell you what his will is for you every day and for your life. He will give you bits and pieces. He won't tell you everything. So if God is telling you something right now, you know his perfect will. If you're doing it, it's going to be okay. If you're not doing it, he's going to leave you right there, and he's going to leave you right where you are. How many of you hope you are not where God's going to leave you the rest of your life? God is speaking to you right now. I assure you, God is speaking to you. One of the hardest things for me in my entire walk with the Lord, even to this day, is to pull out behind Walmart or drive down the street and think I'm hearing something from God and pull over and start to write it down and say, God, is this really you or is this my mind? I have a strong mind. How many of you got a strong mind? I can think of good things to write all by myself, but is this really a God thing or is this just a good thing? Once you get into grooving it, you know, you know what I'm talking about? In that groove, like, this is God. I know this is God. And then you just get excited to write it and to read. Number two, and this goes right along with number one. And if you, if you got a yes on number one, we're ready to go to number two. And if you don't have a yes on number one, you got to get that yes first. Number two, am I 
obedient to God's perfect will. In other words, am I doing what God told me to do? I can't say that the minute we started tithing out there in Tulsa, the windows of heaven opened and I had the abundance that God wanted me to have that I thought I would have. However, I do want to tell you that once that happened, we saw unbelievable things. I have never, ever had the actual money that I thought I would have in ministry. You know, like a lot of money. I, I came in as a businessman, so money was always something that I was pursuing. I never saw a lot of money in ministry. But I come walking out of the, after we settled the issue with the tithe, come walking out of the maybe center one day where we hold church. This guy's sitting there in a car that when he bought it three years ago, brand new Chevy Caprice, beautiful car. I told Pam when he bought it, I said, man, if I was going to have a car, it would be that car. I come walking out the maybe center. Maybe it's only two years old. I don't remember for sure. The car, he's sitting there in a car. And he says, hey, Bill, my wife and I have been praying, and we believe God wants us to give you that car. Glory to God. I've heard stories like that. I've never been part of a story like that. I said, really? And they said, yeah. He said, the only condition is don't tell anybody where you got it. I said, no problem. I'll meet that condition. Hey, we got a brand new car. I remember the time that somebody called us and they said, we have box seats for the Kansas City Royals and we want to send you to this five-star hotel in, was it Kansas City? And we won't pay all your expenses. I cannot believe how many times the blessings of God have come upon us and overtaken us. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want some of that stuff. We all want to have God's will done in our life. So what we've got to do is are we obedient to do what God has shown us to, to do? Now, Isaiah 119 says the willing and the obedient, willing and obedient, will eat the good of the land. James 4, 7, even more powerful, says that submit to God, meaning doing His will, resist the devil and he will flee. If you are in the center of the will of God, Doing what God has told you to do, you will prosper in everything that you touch. You will prosper because it's not you, it's God doing it for you. In 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, I'll just paraphrase all of it for you. But it's, it's Saul, and, and, and Saul had done bad, and he had done wrong. And, 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 and Samuel is telling him that, that disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. 1 Samuel 15, 23. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ who don't understand the seriousness of not doing what God told you. I don't know why I keep coming back to tithing because it's not about, this message is not about giving at all. But I know that a lot of people that get into financial trouble, it messes with their mind. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It messes with your mind. It messed with my mind when Pam and I got married. It's like, okay, I am the provider doing a lousy job. I'm the husband. I'm the guy that's going to make it all happen. And, and nothing's working. Nothing is working at all. But then I realized that in the body of Christ, submitting to God, you've got to do it His way if you want His blessing. And if you do it His way, then all you have to do is be obedient to do what He tells us to do. And there are a lot of people who they know what they've heard. Everybody say, I know what I've heard. But the most important thing is, are you doing what you've heard? 
that God tells you to do. And it says that, that uh, disobedience is the sin of witchcraft. And then Saul goes on to try to give an excuse. He said, well, yeah, but the people, the people wanted me to do it. He did it because everybody wanted him to do it. If you go with the crowd, you will never be in the perfect will of God. You will never be with the perfect will of God. Because the crowd's going to say, yeah, you're right. It shouldn't have happened to you. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I agree with you. They want to encourage you by agreeing with you. And you're getting somebody to agree with you in the wrong area of your life. And you need somebody to really pull you up. Does that make sense? It's a little heavy in here tonight. A little quiet in here. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think that makes sense. Okay. All right. Now, number, that's number two. So what you got to have here in number two is yes or no. And I would challenge you with what is the last thing God told you to do and are you doing it? Adam and Eve knew God, loved God. God wanted to bless them. Eve knew she shouldn't do what she did. Adam knew he shouldn't do what he did, and they did it anyway. They did not do what they knew was the perfect will of God. Cost all of mankind. You can look through the Bible, and you can see the same thing with Joshua. You can see the same thing with other people in the Bible. Number three. Now, this one sounds kind of silly, and I said, God, is this really you? Uh, This is what I heard. Am I fully dressed? Am I fully dressed? And then I heard this in my spirit. There's nothing worse than a sloppy dresser. I don't know where that came from. Maybe that was God. Maybe that was me. I don't really know. But am I fully dressed? And I said, God, what does that mean? Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, because we are in for a tremendous victory if we dress the way we're supposed to dress. And how many of you know that for the believer who understands that we should be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, we're never down, we're always up, we're never anxious, we're never fearful, we're never doubtful, but we're always using the weapons of our warfare because we're fighting against powers and principalities. We're not fighting against a governmental system. We're not fighting against an employer. We're not fighting against people. Our fight is powers and principalities. And Jesus defeated the powers and principalities. He defeated the devil. He disarmed powers and principalities and gave us the victory. Let's say, I have the victory. So you should look like you have a victory. Have you ever been around somebody that's really dressed nice and you look at them and think they really are dressed nice? And then you're around somebody that's really dressed sloppy and think they're really dressed sloppy. Now, that's just the fact of life. Well, how about with spiritual garments that we are to wear? Have you ever been around somebody? I'm not going to go in and tell the story again, but uh, who was the lady? Uh, Edith? No, not Edith. That, that I finally said, don't talk to me unless you have something good to say. Alice, I don't know why I can't remember her name. Alice, Alice, we're not going to go through that whole story again. But Alice's whole life, she conformed everything about her when she put on the full armor of God. She didn't understand it at the time. But the full armor of God is our dress. Now, let's look at what it says here in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. That word means schemes. The schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having all done, stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The Word of God is truth. Everybody say, that's the Word of God. 
Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having stood uh, with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Who's going to fire fiery darts at you? The devil, day and night. How many fiery darts will be quenched if you carry the shield the way you're supposed to? Every fiery dart. The fiery dart that comes through and lodges in your brain and causes you to think things you shouldn't think is because the shield of faith was not up to quench that fiery dart. And then it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. So in other words, every day we get up, we get dressed with the Word of God, we get dressed with the shield of faith, we get dressed with the garment, with the, shield, with the truth around us, and that we look and act like an imitation of God are like Jesus wants us to act. How many of you like what you see when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror? Well, thank you for that overwhelming whatever. When you get up in the morning, this is the day the Lord has made. Glory to God, I shall rejoice. I have my shield of faith. I, no, 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 no. I tell you what, when you look at some people, they look like they're defeated. They really do. We should look like we have the victory. If we have the victory, we don't look like we're defeated. We don't look like we just got beat up. We look like we're going from glory to glory and from victory to victory. Otherwise, we just sit around and tell each other how bad it is. Let's tell each other how good it is. We have the victory. Let's say, I have the victory. So if you're not properly dressed, you are not ready to go on. If you can't say yes to that, then you're going to have to say no, and you're going to have to figure out how am I going to get dressed because nobody's going to dress you. This isn't an old folks' home. This is spiritual warfare. You're going to have to get up and dress yourself, and you're going to have to put on this armor. And if you can't do it by yourself, uh, if somebody puts it on for you, you're going to get it knocked off right out there in the driveway. You're going to get it knocked off the first stop sign somebody runs through, and you're I get upset or something like that. Well, folks, we have the victory. Can we say it? Amen. Therefore, we are. No time to look bad. No time to look down. Always a time to look up. Now, the fourth thing that I felt like the Lord gave me, and this is really hit home for me. Am I, how many of you got some things that it seems like just have gone on and on and on and you haven't seen any breakthrough but you really feel like you know what the will of God is. Can I see your hand? It's just like, <laughs> okay, all right, right group. Am I waiting on the Lord? Let's all say that. Am I waiting on the Lord? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, are, are you waiting on the Lord? Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures real quickly here just for time's sake. I have Psalms 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalms 37, a familiar psalm to most of us in this church. Uh, some really powerful nuggets in Psalms 37, talking about waiting upon the Lord. <clears throat> Verse number seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret, it causes harm. In other words, be upset, angry, whatever. Then it goes on to say, the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. 
forever. Then it goes on in verse 34 to say, wait on the Lord, keep his way. He shall exalt you to inherit the land. Boy, I'll tell you what, I got that one marked. Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked one and save them because they trust in him. Isaiah, familiar scripture to most of you. Isaiah chapter 41, 40. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's all say it. I know that. Micah 7, 7 and 8 says the same thing. I look to the Lord, the God of my salvation, and I will wait upon Him. Now, let's look at the word wait and see what it says. To wait is to tarry, to hope, to trust, to expect, to be patient. I have a problem there. To be patient, to remain in anticipation, to remain in if you are not in anticipation, you are going to be a little bit weary. Anticipate, anticipate. Next day it's going to happen. Next day it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen on Tuesday, it'll happen on Wednesday. If it doesn't happen on Wednesday, it'll happen on Thursday. It's going to happen. I told uh, Lisa, uh, Pam's sister, Lisa, her, her boy out in Denver in trouble, and, and every time we talked, this is a few years ago, but, but she would say, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I say, oh, he's going to get saved tomorrow. And it's going to say, tomorrow? He's going to get saved tomorrow? I said, yeah. We just don't know which tomorrow. Turn to your name and tell him, it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> we may not know which tomorrow, but it's going to happen tomorrow. And then it goes on to say, this, this I love, this, it was really for me. The correct way, uh, by the way, the root word for this uh, wait is also a, a Chris, which means uh, hope. Uh, also translated hope, the correct way to hope and wait for the Lord is to steadfastly expect His mercy, His salvation, His rescue, and while waiting, not to take matters in your own hand. May I see the people who have taken matters from time to time in their own hand realizing that that just didn't work. Let's all say it. That doesn't work. When you're waiting, you wait because God will take care of it. If we wait upon the Lord, He will take care of it. Then, that's got to be a yes or no, otherwise you're on a holding pattern. <clears throat> also, the last one, am I pleasing to God? And might think, well, what does that have anything to do with? God loves all of us. God loves everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Now turn back to him and say, but is he pleased by you? How many of you have more than one child? How many of you love them all equally? How many of you from time to time find some of them are more pleasing than others at different times? Honest parent will probably say, <laughs> yeah, there is. And it's just because of the nature of the makeup. Well, that's not exactly what we're talking about. But I want to I show you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I heard somebody years ago preach on this in Tulsa. I think it was R.W. Schombach. I'm not really sure. But it, it just really touched my heart. But without faith, it is impossible 
to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. Of those who diligently seek him. The word diligently means to crave. In other words, you get up in the morning, you know, maybe you crave a certain breakfast or something. I don't know. Or whatever, you know, you all understand what I'm saying. How many of you know, like sometimes you can crave, uh, me, sometimes I can start to crave popcorn. Uh, not today, it's just not one of those days, but if, I'm, if I get into a crave for popcorn, there's only one thing that satisfies me. You know what that is? Popcorn. And, 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 and then I, about midnight, say to Pam, why did you let me do that? <laughs> but but to, me, to me, if you have a bowl of popcorn or a bowl of popcorn or whatever, you're done when the bowl is empty. And uh, not too smart, but, uh, but that's the way it is with me. What if we understood that to diligently seek God was to crave him? That in the morning, I'm just so craving of God to get alone with him, to find out what he has. That thing that just came against me, I'm just craving to hear what God has to say because I know he's going to bring me through. And everything becomes God-centered, Christ-centered, that everything you do is the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. You're, you're seeking always after him. And if you don't get him all of the time, all of the day, then you feel like you're lacking. That is exactly what God wants because he operates on our faith. When we have faith in him, and this is what I think it was R.W. Schombach, God does not meet our need when we have needs. He meets our faith when we release it in him and his word. So do we know that God is going to take care of all those children over there in the dreamland? Yes. Do we know that one child died prematurely? Yes. Do we understand that? No, we put that on the shelf. Malaria, don't know how that got in there and got, uh, got, did it, but it did it. So we put that one on the shelf because we know God's will is going to deliver those children. We know God's will is going to take care of all of our finances according to his riches and glory. As long as we have faith in him, as long as we're craving him, as long as we're drawing close to him, he's going to meet every single need that I have. And he's going to meet every single need that you have. Let's stand to our feet. Now, what we've got to do is take this message to heart. It's you've got to know the perfect will of God. And you've got to understand that am I doing it? Am I doing it? Am I doing it? Am I doing it? There's not a single one of us that haven't strayed from what God has for us from time to time. And what that does, it prolongs the time frame of what God wants to do in our life. God still has never changed his mind about each and every one of us, but he's not going to bless us if we're not living by faith and living in his will. Saul was picked by God to be king, but Saul would not fellowship with God, and he lost his kingdom. Joshua was a man after God. God's own heart. He loved God. God loved Joshua. But Joshua pulled away from God in the second battle of Ai, and he almost lost it all. But he came back to God because he realized he'd gotten out of the will of God. King David definitely called a man after God's own heart. Lost it all in a moment's notice because of a stupid thought that he had contrary to the will of God. 
every single one of us, maybe to, not to that extent, but every single one of us wrestle with powers and principalities of darkness trying to get a hold of our mind and trying to get us to think something contrary to the Word of God. Well, where's God when you really need Him? Well, why did that happen? Why doesn't this happen? Why does that person prosper and I don't? Why am I where I am? All of these types of things when what we really need to do is sit down and say, God, what have you told me to do? What is your will? Am I doing your will? Am I walking by faith? Am I doing what you've called me to do? If I got on the right clothes, am I walking the way you want me to do? All of the blessings of God will come upon you and overtake you when you do that. But if you're not doing it and progressing, you're going to get into a holding pattern. And all of us have been in a holding pattern and we don't like it. Let's all say, I don't like it. But we want to go from glory to glory. But you know what? God wants you to go from glory to glory. Father, I thank you. Would you bow your heads with me? 